Hello from ABA Annual Meeting 2017 in New York City. I'm Lauren Scaletti. I'm Steph Cha. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. It's our day three of our media coverage here at ABA Annual in New York City. And I have a special guest joining us today, a legal author, Steph Cha. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure to have you. We just got done uh, speaking at your panel discussion. You had uh, three fellow authors up there and you were discussing uh, being an author and and all of you have a background in law. So what I want to do is before we get into this interview, I want to get your bio. Where do you work? What do you do? So I'm a full-time writer now. There was a while there where I was doing temp legal work. I did Japanese doc review, which is a niche type of doc review that basically I was able to do it six months a year and write six months a year. And now I'm writing full-time, but I'm always thinking about going back. It's always nice to have that structure. Okay, so uh, just in terms of when you guys were on the stage, all sharing your stories together, uh, you know, the, the origins of it were that you all went to law school, at least. And so there was a couple of uh, trial attorneys, litigators up there, Talmadge, Boston, and uh, Jim Conroy were uh, litigators. And I guess um, actually Talmadge is still practicing. But uh, did you practice much after law school? Just the doc review. I didn't have a career track legal job ever because uh, I wrote my first novel in law school. And by the time I graduated, I knew that I wanted to pursue that. So I took jobs that allowed me that kind of flexibility that you can't really get with, you know, with a firm or a public job that really has no boundaries and where your time is not really your time. I needed to have that kind of 40 hours a week and the rest of the time I can have to myself and write when I need to write. Okay. I think you were a little different than your fellow authors up there. Uh, Authorship became something that happened after the fact, Uh, I think, for the most part. Well, I think uh, Evan had, uh, he was doing it, he was a journalist before going to law school, but uh, Talmadge and uh, Jim, I had that epiphany somewhere after law school. So when uh, you grew up always thinking that uh, you wanted to be an author, and I I loved uh, how you phrased up there when other people wanted to be astronauts, I was thinking about being an author. Yeah, I mean, I really admired writers just because I like to read books and fiction in particular. And so I wanted to be a novelist when I grew up, but I didn't really know that people did that as a job. So I didn't pursue it. And uh, I only figured out that I was going to write a novel once I started doing it. And that was while I was still in law school. And for a lot of people, I think, especially novelists, you're doing something else first. So it's very rare that you have somebody who is a debut novelist. You know, nobody asked them to write that book. So they're basically people who sat alone and wrote a whole thing to show the world without any guarantee that it would be looked at. So most of these people have full-time jobs. I didn't. You know, I was a student and I was a full-time student, I guess. But I had a lot of free time where I had a lot of downtime where... uh, Oh, and also I was a bad student. I didn't do I didn't do a lot of schoolwork. I didn't participate. I wasn't on journal or anything, you know. So I just, when I needed time to write, I would take it. Interesting, interesting. I, I know when I was in law school, I had no time for uh, anything else. It was uh, very yeah. I mean, I didn't lot. really, like, go to class or do very much at all. Well, let me ask you this. So, I, uh, you know, and this is kind of a two-part question. So the first part of it is, why did you go to law school? And then uh, the second part is, do you think that experience in law school helped you be a better writer? Yeah, so I went to law school straight out of college. 
And I was an English major. I studied literature and I didn't really have better ideas. I didn't know, for example, that I could do an MFA. I probably would have applied to MFA programs had I known that, but I didn't know that was a thing. And I think it ended up working in my favor anyway. I really liked, I, I love the people that I met in law school. You know, I thought it was an interesting environment with a lot of, I don't know, a lot, a lot of intellectual life going on. And so I, I went to law school because I got, you know, I took the LSAT. I did well. I like got in and I went and that's pretty much all there was to it. So as for whether the law school experience helped me become a better writer, I think some of it. I mean, I think part of it was just I was reading more books all the time. And I think even just getting older helps you become a better writer because you read more books and you have more experiences. You meet more people. I don't think legal writing necessarily helped me that much, in part because I didn't do a ton of it. But uh, I found that most of the writing I was doing for law school was pretty voiceless, unless I had a lot of leeway. So... I don't know. I think I think it helped with analytical skills. With I, I like I actually did like reading cases. Uh, there's that storytelling aspect. I really latch onto narratives. So when I'm reading something, you know, I'm gonna be bored unless there's a story there. So I guess it helped me hone in on these stories. But I don't know that it helped me flourish as a creative person or anything. Okay. Well, uh, you know, you're a relatively new writer. And so, you know, some of the challenges that new writers uh, face, there was definitely a part of the presentation where everyone talked about rejection and, mm. uh, you know, being edited and maybe not getting that first book or that first draft to a publisher successfully. And so maybe you could share some tips for that. Oh, yeah. I think uh, tips wise, just in order to become a published author, you need to be ready to face tons of rejection, which I was not used to when I started writing. You know, I wasn't really, I wasn't really ready. And I think I took it kind of personally the first few times that my manuscript was rejected by agents, but that's just part of it. Even the most successful writers, I mean, there are probably a few that like out the door get a huge book deal, but it's a pretty rare thing. And uh, I think you just have to be willing to take criticism and you have to be willing to listen to what people say about your work because they're better judges of it than you are. And, you know, I think in order to become, in order to write a whole book, you have to have a certain level of ego. And then you also have to be ready to let that go if you're going to improve. Okay. Let's tap into that a little bit, your first book. So obviously uh, you've decided now I'm going to hone my skills, everything I've learned, my discipline, everything. Uh, I'm going to harness my ego and I'm going to write my first draft. So walk us through that. How long, how long a process was that for you? So it took me a year and a half to write the first draft, but I wasn't working on it every day. I would kind of write when I felt like it, when I felt inspired or when I had an idea. I just kind of stumbled through it. That's a luxury I no longer have because once I published the first book, then I had a publisher and an editor and I wrote the next two books much more quickly. But that first book... I think something to keep in mind, too, is that I did not fully realize that I was writing a novel. That, so I didn't, I didn't look up how to get a book published. I had no idea until I actually had a full draft. Because I think if I had gone into it thinking, this is going to be a novel that's going to show up in bookstores, I think that would have been a lot more pressure. It just, it just, I started writing it a chapter at a time. You know, I would write like a chapter every couple of weeks, and I'd give myself these deadlines. But I didn't beat myself up over it. Um, so that allowed me to kind of play around and not be a perfectionist about it. Um, yeah, because the most important thing about that first draft is just getting the words on paper. 
Uh, you could always go back and edit later. Okay. And so uh, after you got your first draft written, how long was it before you, know, so you start working with an agent mm -hmm. and then uh, you start, you want to get it published. So uh, explain that process and how long it took. It took me almost a year to get an agent. And that was the hardest part of the process for me because that was the part where I was getting lots of rejections and I had to do a lot of revisions. And so that was kind of tough. You know, in retrospect, it wasn't actually the hardest agent experience because I did get an agent for my first novel and then I did sell that first novel. So that's actually kind of a dreamboat experience, but it felt really hard at the time. And uh, I remember just being so sensitive to everything and really watching my emails. You know, I would just stare at my inbox waiting to hear from people. And that was that was rough. But once I got the agent, so I met with my agent and before he signed me, he gave me notes and he wanted to see that I could revise. So I did this huge revision for him. This was around the time uh, I did a huge revision and then I took the bar. So that summer was just kind of a blur of hard work and misery. And then at some point he gave me notes and I made a really big improvement on that draft. I added, I added like 60 pages. The book was pretty lean before and uh, changed some characters around, you know, pretty big structural revisions. And then once I felt like the book was better, I actually went out and queried more agents and another agent gave me an offer. So I went back to my agent who hadn't committed to representing me yet. And I was like, you know, I really like working with you. You give me great notes, but like I need an agent. And so at that point he signed me. And once he signed me, we did some more revisions. We spent like four more months on it. And then he took it out to publishers and then St. Martin Minotaur bought it. And once they bought it, it was still almost two years until publication. So I'm, I'm counting up the time here. So about a year and a half to write it. Yeah. Another year to hire an agent. Yeah. Another four months to do revisions. Yeah. And then it was two years till... Almost two years. Almost it, it, two years. It, was, it was basically five years between when I started the book and when I published it. That's, a, that's quite an investment in time. Yeah. I don't think it's like that for everybody. For example, usually it's more like a one-year lead time. But what happened was... I signed in like October of 2011 and then that's when I got my contract but I'd actually had the agreement a few months earlier and then they didn't want it to come out right before the 2012 election so they pushed it to the next season. So you're a teacher, you teach uh, writing at uh, one of the universities in Los Angeles, is that right? Oh no, I don't, I, I teach a workshop. Oh, you teach a workshop. Okay. Well, you teach a workshop. So teach a workshop to aspiring writers. And what kind of writers uh, are you teaching? I'm teaching adults who have full-time jobs generally, who are trying to write, who, who have an idea for a novel and kind of want to get the basics and they want to get started. It's an introduction to novel writing class. And it's cool because none of these people have the MFA background. They all just have these ideas. And, you know, so it's a range of students, like range of talent, range of where they are in the process. So, you, I mean, these are students you can relate to. Since you didn't have oh, yeah. that training, uh, you understand uh, some of the skill sets that they might lack. Yeah, then, definitely. Okay, and then you fill in the gaps there. So, uh, being that the case, I, I would imagine that most lawyers, and it's uh, MFA, is that correct? Yeah. That, uh, I would imagine most lawyers probably don't have that, that are thinking about writing. So, you know, Legal Talk Network, we're out at ABA Annual, we're covering this, uh, this conference, this meeting. And we're trying, uh, one of our goals is to cover it in a way where we give immediate value to the listener. Yeah. And so I was wondering if you could just share some, some tips that an aspiring author out there uh, in the legal sphere could plug into their writing right away to make them a better writer. Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, if you're looking for concepts, you know, just you don't have to look super far. You know, I think uh, 
writing the book that you want to read is a good place to start. So if there is something that's missing or that you would like to read and find compelling, then maybe that's what you should be writing. And then just start doing it. I think uh, something I didn't realize before I started writing and before I got published and met a bunch of other authors is that there's nothing magical about authors. They're just people who sit down and put 80,000 words on paper. And so I think approaching it in that way, in kind of a workmanlike way and saying like, okay, I'm going to write a thousand words here. I'm going to write a thousand words there. And then you can kind of fix the structure and stuff later. Editing is so much easier, at least in my experience, than that first draft. So just sitting there and staring at a Word document and filling it up is hugely important. And then just not overthinking every sentence, you know. I mentioned in the panel that, like, you know, I've noticed that friends of mine who I've edited essays for, you know, like personal statements, so non-writers, I've noticed that they're, when they set out to write an essay, their writing is so much worse than when they write an email or just write a Facebook update because they're overthinking it. They're trying to create a piece of writing, whereas writing is just, you know, you can use your natural voice and it'll probably come through. Just pretend you're telling a story to a friend. I think that's true. Uh, you know, we, we do write some scripts here at Legal Talk Network, and I'm always amazed is, uh, as much as we try, it always seems that we're always tweaking them when we're trying to read them because you do speak differently yeah. than you write. And so we're always uh, kind of dealing with that. But uh, luckily, we've gotten better at it. So <laughs> well, I just have uh, one fun question for you. Uh, one of the shows that we put on, uh, ABA Journal Asked and Answered. So it's a show we do in conjunction with the uh, ABA Journal and uh, the host of that show is Stephanie Francis Ward, and she's a big believer in having pets around because mm-hmm. pets make the best research assistants. Do you agree with our host, Stephanie? So I have two basset hounds, so um, they don't help me with research at all. They actually, I call them my assistants, but they really don't do anything but lie around sleeping on the couch next to me and then for about half an hour a day going crazy chasing each other around the house. Uh, so they, they really get in the way more than anything, but I think it would be really hard for me to sit at home all day by myself. So they really, they make my work environment uh, very cuddly. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, uh, just one last question for you, Steph. Uh, if our listeners want to follow up, reach out, got some questions, want to learn how to write better, how can they reach you? Well, I'm on Twitter as Steph Wychaw, and uh, I'm very easy to find on the internet generally. Uh, like my email is public and all that. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, hope you have a great trip in, uh, to New York and a uh, pleasant journey back home. Oh yeah, thank you for having me. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guest, Steph Cha, for joining us today and also our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.